Welcome to Servium, Latin for I Will Serve, a new podcast series from the Diocese of Rapid City, exploring the vocation to the permanent diaconate. Join me as I visit with some of the deacons who are fulfilling the mission of Christ as servants, sharing their gifts in Western South Dakota. I'm your host, Karen Gibis, and I'm honored to introduce today's guest. We are in store for a treat. We welcome Deacon Don Moore to the show. Welcome, Deacon Don. Hey, hello. I am so glad you're here. You have a great story. But before we get into that, can you introduce yourself, your family, tell what you do for a living, and which parish you're assigned to? Sure. My name is uh, Don Moore, as you hear. I'm assigned at the uh, St. Therese Little Flower Catholic Church on uh, Adams Street. I've been at that parish since 2020. I'm, I was ordained in March 30th in 2019 in Austin Diocese. I transferred up here, and I, of course, I moved it to St. Therese itself. I was an aviation guy by trade, but I hung that up. Now I'm working on boilers in the church, so, so I don't know how exciting that is. <laughs> I'm married. I got, uh, I got uh, two boys, one in Florida, one here. The one here has five children, which are grandchildren, which I lost a bet. That's why I'm here. Uh, so anyway. Well, the five grandchildren are worth losing a bet for. <laughs> you bet. You bet. So you have an amazing conversion story. You were sharing it before, and I just cannot, I'm blown away by your conversion story. So why don't you share how that story gets started? My wife's Catholic. She was born and raised Catholic in a, a wonderful Catholic family you know, upbringing. Myself, we're more of an atheist, agnostic type deal. My, I think my brother and my sister found God before me. I took the atheistic approach because I really didn't believe in anything at all but to take care of myself. But when I was five years old, I, I was introduced to God. I didn't even know it. I was at my grandmother's house. I was I watched cartoons, you know. So I turned the TV on. There was a nun on there doing the sign of the cross. I told my grandmother, hey, I want to do this, Grandma. Now, my grandmother was very religious. She was Methodist, as you see. <laughs> You may know that didn't go out very well. Probably not. She, she grabbed me by my ear, this four-foot-nine lady, and grabbed me all the way over to the, to the uh, Methodist preacher. And she says, you need to talk to this young man preacher. Got a bunch of Catholic demons inside of him. I had that instilled in my mind, even to this day, trying to figure out what all that meant. And then later on down in life, I had a really rough, rough life. And I took up the drink because I was drowning away from my sorrows, whatever my pain, whatever it may be. And then I, I woke up in a, in a ditch in the middle of nowhere when I was about 20. And I looked around. I, was, my face was in the, actually in the ditch, you know, so I had a, and it was raining. And I had to wipe the mud out of my eyes and my, you know, my nose so I could breathe. And I looked all around me and I said, I looked around, it's pitch black like you're in a cave without lights in it. And it was, it was dread, like a dread, depressing time. And I asked myself, and I yelled out too, where am I? Where am I? And this, this voice told me, if you continue on this journey, you'll go to a place you'll never be forgiven. I, that, you know, I really, really stuck to me for a while. And then I, later on in life, I joined the military, and then I came home. I was... Went to go see the world, but the military goes, 
first assignment, 18 miles away from home. So <laughs> typical deal, right? Typical deal. But I, I met my wife there. So uh, we were high school buddies, and my, I used to hang out with her brother. We used to be trouble together. So um, I asked, where, where, was she, where was she located? She goes, oh, it's right around the corner over there, you know. So I introduced, you know, we went out and recorded and things like that. And then uh, she goes, hey, why don't you come to the house? I said, oh, boy. <laughs> but anyway, I saw all this love, this family, family saying love. And they said the rosary together. I didn't know what that was, but they were saying it together with love in their heart. And uh, then she goes a couple of days later, let's go to Mass. I said, what's Mass? Is that a big hill? I said, no, it's a church. Uh, I don't like church, whatever that church thing is. Well, she was kind of cute, so I decided to uh, go with her. Right. And what's really cool was uh, I go into this church, right? And then I saw all these nuns doing the sign of the cross. I said, this is the place. Really loud. Really embarrassed her. But but anyway, <laughs> and anyway, so this is the place. This is the place. And then I saw all these people standing in line for confession. And I didn't know what this was. I go, hey, is this the line for refreshments? Because I want some popcorn and soda. She goes, oh, no, no, this is a place where you have your sins forgiven. Otherwise, you go to a place where you'll never be forgiven. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow. See, all this stuff comes to play. I said, this is a place. And then I did that conversion into becoming a Catholic. But I noticed something that... These people I always had. They always had a ministry. What does God want in me? I, I don't know anything. I just know airplanes, you know, stuff like that. What can I do? Anyway, so I, I did a few things here and there, tried to explore. Then uh, it was probably, probably when I was stationed in, I was in the military 20 years, I retired. But I was stationed overseas in Japan and, and Germany. I think it really hit me in Germany. We had, these, uh, had this African priest from Cameroon. He told me, you're going to be a good deacon. Because he always saw me setting up for Mass and talking to people, consoling them and things of that nature. I go, what are you talking about? How long had you been a Catholic by this point? About two years, probably. So I'm still wet behind the ears, probably, as a right. Catholic, you know. Probably could, still smell of the chrism oil. And... Yeah, yeah I, still, yeah. I still smell it today, mm-hmm. yes. So uh, he kept on doing it. He was doing this about four months. He was assigned it for four months because, you know, the chaplains, get, they get deployed everywhere. So about, about a month or two in, he kept on saying this. And one day I said, you know what, you need to stop. We you talk about this deacon? He goes, I'm not going to hear no anymore. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to write you a letter. Well, a month later, guess what? It was in my mailbox. And it said, had a CC, goes right to the military archdiocese. This guy is dead serious. Go well, maybe I'll think about this for a while. But of course, I blew it off. And then the symposium come about. Then I said, you know, I need to go to this thing because it's a bunch of Catholic ministries. Maybe yeah, I'll yeah, find yeah. them. You'll find the thing that fits. Well, probably, perhaps. And this, uh-huh. I got pulled into this the holy orders thing. That the, it was pulling me in this deacon room. I said, what? Man, let me see what this is all about. I know I'm kind of new and stuff. So I go in there and listen to this deacon talk. Yeah, he's a bridge. Yeah, cool deal. Yeah. And I blew him off. When I got back, I got back home in the United States, right? And that really, really hit. I, I came to here to Ellsworth Air Force Base. My senior Wooster goes, You're going to be a good deacon. Again. Said, again. What the heck is this guy, mm-hmm. man? 
So anyway, it must be a sign. Must be a sign. So I went to lay ministry program a little bit. Then the base was going to close. I didn't make a decision on taking care of my family. So we moved to Texas. And then it really hit. It really hit hard. I said, man, I don't want to do this. I'm scared. I'm frightened. But I went ahead and I opened my heart to God because I didn't know how to open my heart. Like my wife. My wife is a Catholic encyclopedia. She knows. She knows when, what discernment is. So she was teaching me how to discern. So I go into the, the program with my wife. My wife didn't want to do it at first. But that's something important that we all need to know when you become a deacon. Make sure your whole family's involved in this thing because it's important. So I go into this program. I was hoping to get my pink slip. But during the formation, <laughs> during the formation process, we had to do four, four things. And one of those things was seeing the hospital ministry, right? And then the, then the prison ministry, which was a, I was very used to the hospital ministry. I was doing that as a layman. So I, I found my niche for the moment. But there was something calling me to a deeper relationship, a deeper calling to help the church out. And then there was one that we had to actually do in formation. And that was to uh, sleep on the streets of Austin for four days and three nights. It was very hard because I was in a very rough, rough upbringing. And my mother was an alcoholic. And she, uh, she went to the streets. She did drugs and everything. So I thought all homeless people were this type of people who don't care about nothing. They want to take care of themselves and only themselves, take care of their needs and no one else. They don't care who they hurt. So I had that, that stereotype in my mind, that prejudice. But it wasn't until that formation right there, that field study of sleep on the streets for four days and three nights. In the town, in the area in which your mom had been homeless. Abs absolutely. It was very difficult. So the only thing they gave us was a uh, copy of our driver's license, a hefty bag for rain gear, right, and a small blanket, something. So we go out there, we're going to jump on the bus, and we go out there to the thing called the Arch. And then we got on the bus, and I see one guy gets shot. There were fights. People are shooting each other. You can see the syringes everywhere. I looked up to the sky and said, God, see, there's nothing. There's nothing out here. These people... These people are the same. There's no change. Give me a sign. You give me a sign. Tell me what I need to see. Be careful what you ask for. He'll provide it for you. The next day after walking, I received 10 blisters on each feet. He gave me pain mm -hmm. and suffering of those people on the streets. So I was chasing. We were walking everywhere. I had to go grab my last meal. Last meal was three miles away. We jumped on the bus. The last mile, we had to, we had to run to it because we were running late. We were, I was in a lot of pain. I was crying, and I went to that truck, that last meal truck. We made it just in time. I grabbed the last bag, the only bag they had left. I grabbed it. The vehicle took off. And I said, yes. And then I heard whimpering from behind me. I turned around. There's four children and a mother, hungry, wanting something to eat. I turned around and I said, I could give this to them. I could keep it for myself. But I gave it to them. And that's when my heart started changing. The little girl, seven-year-old girl, comes up to me. But, sir, you need to eat too. A stranger. I fell to my knees and I cried dearly. And the little girl hugged me, gave me a great big hug like 
uh, son and daughter would said it's going to be okay. And that from that time forward, I wanted to help the poor. And my wife and I, as we go through formation, we used to pack bags and just feed the poor because we had a two-hour drive uh, one way, an hour and a half, two hours. So we used to make that as our, our daily trip on the way back. Then we had, I was ordained in, in March, March 2019, and then uh, my wife decided to come up here be by the grandchildren. So we, I transferred up here, which is a quite interesting thing. Yeah, because you were ordained in the Austin Diocese, and now you're in the Rapid City Diocese. And there's, there is a process moving from one diocese to the other. Absolutely. The two bishops have to talk to one another. I have to write a letter to the bishop, my bishop, and mm -hmm. he'll contact this bishop. This bishop write a letter back to my bishop and says, okay, you can go. Oh, boy. So I'm up here. I'm kind of up here like alone, like, in, like I'm in the reserves in the military right now. Right, right. After three years, two years, three years, I can actually write a letter to the bishop in Austin and say, I want to continue my faculties permanently here, and they'll permanently bring my... Move that authority or yeah. grant that permission so, to move here. So I'll have the new boss. The new boss. So your your temporary boss then, Bishop Peter, you had to meet with him when you first came, right? Yes. A great, great uh, interview. You know what's really funny? He's he's really a go-getter, you know. He said he wanted the St. Vincent de Paul Society. He, he wanted to get that back up and running again. He needed a spiritual advisor. He was really funny. And he goes, I need someone to revitalize this, this, this ministry. Will you do it? I said, I don't know. Let me pray upon it. And as soon as I got up and walked out the door, he goes, did you make your decision yet? <laughs> I said, yes, of course. How can one say no to their bishop? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> right? So currently you do serve as the spiritual advisor for the St. Vincent de Paul. What does that look like? What we do is when we do a meeting, we have reflections, right? Well, like how the gospel readings, like the Sunday readings, we'll go through the gospel reading. And we'll share that. What we do is we see what we do out in the out in the field, where we talk to the poor and things of that nature. We uh, we talk about it, and how do we see the gospel readings in those people, wherever that reading is, and it it brings us all together as as Christian brothers and sisters. It makes us strong in our faith, and sometimes when we see those people, some of us get a little weak and, and kind of. Uh, Human nature kicks in right, in a right, way. Right, right. You feel, you feel bad and everything, and you kind of feel depressed that they're that way. And we have a hard time trying to help them because sometimes we can't help them. Right. But what's really important is the field visits. When we sit there and talk to them, and actually we pray with them together. So what are some of the things that the St. Vincent de Paul Society will do for the community, do for the poor, those who are in need? You know, we provide food, clothing, and, uh, you know, sometimes we'll pay the bills, some of the bills anyway, electric, uh, mm -hmm. any kind of utilities. Uh, sometimes we'll pay for a hotel. Depends on the situation. Especially we have people, they have family members in the hospital, and they can't afford a room. So they call us up, and we'll put them up in a hotel, that kind of thing. And uh, I, I think the really cool stuff is... Uh, going out to visit the people and uh, give them gas cards. Yeah. Yeah. So you meet the people where they are. You bring Christ to them instead of them coming to you. Right, right. 
And I think that's a very important part of the, of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. So one of the things that you mentioned is that being out with the homeless, experiencing what they experienced, that gave you, you asked God for the sign, you got that sign, but it was more than just a sign for you for that moment. It was a, a moment of healing that would carry you through the rest of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of, it's kind of ironic when you have a mother sleeping out in the streets and I don't want to be there, and now I'm helping them and helping them reach, reach God from, from our, our fellow members of the St. Vincent Paul Society. And, of course, uh, with, the, with the church, too. The prisoners in the church are very helpful. If it, if it wasn't for the donations and, and things of that nature with monetary and uh, food, clothing, whatever it is, we wouldn't be here. It's, a, it's all volunteer. We don't get paid anything. We want to all go to them. So I think it is a wonderful experience to be able to take the horribleness of your past or the dark, ugly periods of your life and be able to turn that around and look at someone, see someone on the streets, see them for more than the addiction that they are, for more than the circumstance that they're in, but to see the person that Christ sees them as. You have a unique way of being able to do that, given your experience in the past, it's as if God set you up from the time you were five Yes, he set right me now. up. And now he may be a deacon. Try to figure that one out. <laughs> anyway, he, he can I just, move mountains. Yes, he can. It's so it's so neat because you have a name to those people. Yeah. You know, you have a name. They're people. They're human. They want to be heard. Yep. And they're beloved by God, and and they just want to be beloved by someone else, right? They want. That's and if right. they don't know Christ, if they don't have Christ in their life. It's hard for them to understand the concept of being loved. Very true. So that's a, a beautiful gift that the St. Vincent de Paul Society brings to the community, but more than just the help of the food and the gas cards and the hotel rooms, but the, the living of the gospel that you guys do for them, to uh, giving right. them that love of, of God for them to experience. Right, right. And most really, my, my wife, she, she takes the phone calls, right? And I kind of sit back and kind of listen. And you can actually hear the tears mm. and sometimes the joy, too, yeah. that someone does care. Someone does care. We all care. We just got to find a way to help find, them much more. Right. Find that ministry that we can show to the world the love of God. Obviously, God has worked in your life a lot. Is there a surprising part of this ministry that you've been in, the thing that you just to this day, you thank God for that moment, besides, obviously, the little girl hugging you and, and giving you that message of God. But there has to have been so many times where you have been that person for someone else. Has that surprised you, the amount of time that you've this, been in that position? This, this whole St. Vincent Paul is surprising to me because I didn't want to help the poor. But God pulled me into it. He says, this is why I need you. Yeah. I stepped back and I wonder why I had this mud in my eyes. He wanted me to feel through my heart, not what I see. So that's what I need to work on. I need to work on my heart. I need to heal my heart. And what a better place to be it's with St. Vincent Paul and those who, are, who need that help out there. What would you tell someone 
about the diaconate, who is either considering the diaconate or has even been told by someone you should consider the diaconate, like you were, oh, you'll make a great deacon. <laughs> what would you tell someone who's heard that? I say open your heart and make sure uh, if you do have that calling or you're trying to find that deep calling, whatever that answer may be, it may be the diaconate program. And if you have a family, make sure you include the family in all your decisions. It takes a toll on the family. Make sure you include them in the entire process. And that way you all accept it with, with your whole heart, whole family heart, whatever God's calling you. Because it's not just him. It's the wife that take care of the children. And she gets pulled in too. She's got the little fine print. See, mm -hmm. my, my wife, she used to be a DRE, right? Okay. And the fine print, it says, husband will help. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. So what's going to happen now? The wife will help. The wife will help. Oh, the fine print. It catches yes. you every time. Absolutely. So now I got her this time. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, Deacon Don, your story is fascinating with so many dips and turns and moments of grace and clear signs from God. And we didn't even touch on everything. So if someone really wants to hear your story, they should just, there's more to it. And I, oh, there is. Thank you so much for sharing what you did share. And I really appreciate you taking the time today to be open and honest and to just really open up your heart to, to, to us and to share where God has blessed you. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And thank you for serving and, and being willing to serve here in the Rapid City Diocese. You're very welcome. It's an honor. This is Deacon Greg Sass, Director of the Permanent Diaconate and Diaconate Formation. The diocese has been blessed to have seven men called to orders by Bishop Peter Mewage, six as permanent deacons, and one as a transitional deacon for the Diocese of Rapid City. Their ordination is scheduled for 5.30 p.m. Thursday, June 29, 2023, at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City. All are invited to attend the ordination. For more information, visit rapidcitydiocese.org, read the diocese newspaper, West River Catholic, or your parish's bulletin. For more information about the permanent diaconate in the Diocese of Rapid City, contact me at the Chancery, 605-3443-3541.